Welcome to Fred Basin's Diaries, read here by Clive Farahar. This is a book collector podcast sponsored by Adrian Harrington Rare Books of Tunbridge Wells. Fred Basin's Diaries, Part 1. Fred Basin was born in 1907 and died in 1973. He was born and bred a Cockney from Walworth in South London. We've put together a short bio of him, which you can find on our website, thebookcollector.co.uk, but this is not necessary for your enjoyment. As you will soon hear, he is nothing if not forthright about himself. In the 60s, in fact, he put out a promotional postcard with the strapline, 65 times on BBC, 16 times on TV, author of 11 books. Here, then, are Fred Basin's diaries, read as if to the manner born by Clive Farahar. Fred Basin's Diaries, Part 1 1921. I got Mari Lloyd this night, and she was real sported and nice. It was up at Camberwell Palace. Waited half an hour, up she comes, walking. I felt awkward and I stuttered. She said, what are you frightened of, Sonny? I won't bite you. I said, I'm shabby-like and thought, she said, God bless your ducks, I don't care how you're dressed. And she said, God, just like that. And she said, you want me to sign your little book? Come in along with me and I'll do it in my dressing room. So here we goes, her and me, and the stage door bloke is going to stop me. But she says, I'm in of her, and so it's all right, all right? It's the first room, and in she goes, takes me book and pen, tries to write, but blimey, the bloody pen ain't got no ink in it. And I ain't got even a pencil. Mari gets up and she goes out, and I hear her ask the stage door bloke for ink. And then she comes with a bottle, and she fills me pen up, then she writes her name, and the bloody pen gives out. So she gives it a shake, and all the blots are on me page with her name on. And she laughs, and uses the blots to write, Good luck! September the 6th, 1921. It looks a bit messy, but it's all proper genuine, and I'm jolly glad. Then she said, would I like a picture? And I says, oh, yes, please, ma'am. And she tells a lady called Ada, or Ida, to get one. And the lady does, from a little cardboard box. And Mari signs it, to a little gent, Mari Lloyd. I thank her proper politely. And she told me to hop it as she had to get undressed. I bowed and I said, good evening, ladies. And out I went, but she called me back and handed me the ink to give to the bloke on the door, which I did do. 1922. The book business is all uphill. When you have theology, the trade wants fiction, and if you get them fiction, they're all the wrong authors. But I'll stick to it. I'm a bookseller and I never want to be anything else. Winifred Graham says, By books, minds speak to mind. By books, the world intelligence grows. I need a little more intelligence myself, but as I dip into most of my stock before I try to sell it, I ought to learn in time. I have 28 shillings capital now. My mum hasn't worried me for wages yet, but I must pay my share. I'll try the Caledonian market, sure to find a few tidy books there to resell. Saw William S. Hart, Weston. Jolly good. I must have me fought and some pictures. Matt Wells, the boxer, is a nice bloke. Gave me his autograph today. My first world champion. Now for Kid Lewis. Books do seem to harbour the dust. My mother complains. But there must be some ifs in all jobs, and at any rate the money is clean, or will be when I've had a good order. Here's luck. 
A wonderful thing has happened. Of a brand new suit and shirt and pants and tie and a lovely overcoat. Dear Eileen Stanley asked me to be outside Swan and Edgar's at ten o'clock this morning and she took me in and spent twelve quid on me and bought me a complete rig out of clothes. This is the first time in my life I've had brand new anything. Always before, even baby clothes, I suppose all my rig out was second hand. It wasn't so much that my folks were mean, they just couldn't afford new clothes for me, and I had to be content with the leaves off of others. Eileen Stanley, the gramophone star, is top of the bill at the Alhambra. I went to get her autograph and I raised my cap. I was polite. She said I was the first little gentleman in England to ask her. She took me into the Alhambra and sent out for tea. Over tea, she asked me all about myself and I frankly told her all. I couldn't see her reason, save out of sheer curiosity that women seem to have, but she was so nice and seemed so interested that I took quite a while to tell her of me and me doings. I also told her what my folks do. She then asked if I could meet her tomorrow morning, that's this morning, at ten outside Swan and Edgar's, and she'd be happy to buy me some clothes, and would be more in keeping with my nice manners, and this is a wonderful result. When I took her home in a taxi, my mum cried. And I had a cry as well. It's all been so lovely and wonderful. Mother is writing to her, thanks, and I put this all down here. Miss Stanley also says that if I care to go up to her dressing room some evenings a week and be handy and run errands for her and her pianist, she will pay me a pound a week for as long as she remains in town. And when she returns next year, I could have the same little job for the same pay. My mother says, I mustn't take her pound, but work and do anything I can to please this kind star. My mother is also saying that she will herself do any washing or mending of clothes or underclothes for Miss Stanley as a sort of thank you to her for this kindness to me. My dad says nothing, but he says I look like a proper toff. I've just had all the rig out on. I look dapper. This is my lucky day. Three cheers for Eileen. An hour ago... I sat upon a chair that was still warm from the large backside of G.K. Chesterton sitting upon it. I report herewith in my diary that this was just like any other chair. It seems rather senseless to tell myself this fact, but I think it's time I realise that celebrated people like G.K. Chesterton, R. Valentino and Jack Hobbs, are just like anybody else, and I must not fall into the error of hero-worshipping. I must treat them with respect, a respect according to their talents, but not like tin gods. I spoke to GKC this night. He was in Fleet Street, and I said I'd enjoyed the Father Brown tales a lot. He was a jolly man, and we got on OK. He asked my address, and he said he will send me a cheap edition of his latest collection of Father Brown tales as soon as it's ready, as a little souvenir. He wasn't a scrap pompous, and was a jolly, jolly old chap, and he gave a jolly sensible lecture as well. I wonder how much he is round the waist. I know one thing, that with me behind him, no one would see me from the front. He's quite three times wider than me. And I reckon he's a wide man in other ways, and wise as well. Yes, I like Mr GKC, although I believe he is an RC. I must try to find out why so many of these literary men are RCs. Or should it be why so many RCs are literary men? Didn't they like the pomp and ceremony? Well, I'll keep to the Baptist Chapel in the Walworth Road. The caretaker's daughter is such a nice girl. Her name is Winnie. Today, 
I have sixpence on an horse. It won at four to one. I'll draw two and six tomorrow and will buy Liza of Lambeth with it. As Tom says, he's up my street. This has been a jolly nice day in lots of ways. 1923. The first bit of luck I've had as the book runner came my way today. I paid sixpence for a copy of The Farmer's Boy. It is by R. Blue Field, printed in London, 1800. It is illustrated. My copy was bound in half Morocco and was here and there sort of worn-like without being downright shabby. I was given an old pound for it. This is my first find. I do not know how much it's really worth, but I'm writing to say that 19 and sixpence profit is jolly wonderful. S bought it, and he bought a copy of The Way of All Flesh for three and sixpence as well. This, he says, is to be rebound. The farmer's boy has done this cockney book boy a very good turn this day. I'm now off to the picks. It seems to me that one of the few privileges of a bookseller's life is that he is allowed an insight and some knowledge of what men and women are seeking to know. It's amazing the many ways the mind of a man or a woman will turn. I have to seek books on the stars, not on the stage, but of the heavens. This seems to me a proper silly hobby, which no good comes from. I like lots better to study the stage stars in their heavens. They change all the time. I've been asked for flogging books. That seems disgusting, and although I said yes, I'll see, I won't see at all. If I can't make a living in what's decent, I won't in the indecent. And why should a woman want a book on food of the 16th century? Today I got a charming letter from J.J. Bell, the Scotch author, who I think has all the charm of Barry and far, far more agreeableness, and is certainly more approachable. Why is Barry such a touchy little so-and-so? Surely no one would harm him. Him and me are the same size, Basin and Barry. God, it's like a musical act, Barry and Basin. Comedy duo. Hell, I'm telling you my journal about J.J. Bell and that pops old man Barry. From Bell's letter, I learned that he himself took the financial risk of Wee McGregor and out of his own pocket paid the cost of 3,000 copies, the first real edition. It will become scarce and worth a fiver some day. He said that he did this because no one in Scotland or England would take the risk on his little accumulation of sketches. He also said that he's going to send me a book for Christmas. And in the meantime, he's delighted to know me. And ends so matey, this is to show that there can be friendship between people who are unlikely to meet, but who are in the same business of books. You selling them and myself writing them. And ends with good luck. And the letter came from Edinburgh. Well, I do like Wee McGregor, and I do like J.J. Bell. Trade is very slow. I tried to sell mags, some W.J. Locke novels, last week, and they were not in their mags, desirable condition. Blimey, you can't have brand new at two bob a knob. Who is this man Aldous Huxley, and why are they talking about him? Oh, how they do come and go. Read today's Tupper's proverbial philosophy, and can't make head nor tail of it. I've saved the four just men as a gift to myself. Today, bought for one and sixpence, a hundred incomplete bits of comics. On Sunday, I'll put them together and see how many comics I can make up. I think Gloria Swanson is an handsome woman, and I likes her pictures. I likes Dee Fairbanks as well. I want to meet Johnny Basham and get his autograph, and also T. E. Dunville. I'm holding my own. Was able to give my folks 25 shillings last week, leaving myself about 25 to carry on with. Southerns in Sackville Street are kind bookmen and buy now and again from me. 
This ends what I may call my first stage of life as a book runner. And all in all, it ain't a bad life when the weather is okay, but it's a stinker when it's wet, because Miss Stack, Miss Doc and me all gets wet, and that's no good for none of us. I have managed to keep my head above water and pay my mother whenever I was able. I'll give her now 25 shillings a week. It's all I can manage and I often have to drop it to a quid. I've not made any of these fines that you read of in the papers, a 2,000 books for tuppence on a barrow. I do not believe they happen. My best book was A Voyage to South America in Two Vols, which cost me one and sixpence for the two vols. And that nice firm of F. Edwards paid me 27 and six for them. They also bought a bird book at 17 and 6 that I paid threepence for. And them are my two best buys. My best seller is H. Ryder Haggard, and I have instructions from six shops for any by him. I also sold a volume called Town and Country for the year 1777 for 10 shillings to, I believe, Mrs. Maggs. This was a sheer gamble at sixpence and probably encouraged me more than any other book to keep on with book running. It's at least as interesting way to make a living, and I seem to have only five competitors, and they're all old men. They know more than I shall ever know. One of them, Mr. Hortin, is a very kind old chap, and helps me when I go to the Caledonian market, for he knows my capital is very limited. I'm now closing down, as the weather is bad. I shall devote next week to replenishing my stock ready for the new year. People don't want second-hand books at Christmas. My capital is 42 shillings in cash and 119 books, of which I think 63 are good, and all the rest are gambles. I have orders for Agard, Jane Austen, a set of W. Scott, and any oddments of R. L. Stevenson. 1924 I think I've now been selling books for a year. I'd better put on record in my journal just how, when, why, in case I forget. I've been, first of all, when I left school, apprentice to a barber. I hated the trade. Nasty old men with filthy faces I had to lather and look at as I rubbed their stout chins with my sensitive hands. I stuck it for about six months. Then I went to a carpenter's. I was going to learn the trade, but for another few months I was put at the wrong end of a planing machine and I had to pull the wood out. And as it came out through the machine plane, I got covered with sawdust and chips. I even ate sawdust. It was a hell of a job. 21 shillings a week. One day, in 1923, I was at the end of my tether at this bloody job, and I knew I had to make a move or go potty. Now, I was always a book lover, bloody bookworm, and even at 15 I owned my own private library. It consisted of Treasure Islands, Swiss Family Robinson, Liza of Lambeth, Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, Bear's Encyclopedia, the 1891 volume of Strand magazine, Wild Wales, and two years before the mast. I had, with my own pocket money, purchased these between the ages of 13 and 15, and read them many, many times, seated in my lonely attic room. I never was a good mixer, and never had brothers nor sisters, and I thought I'd try my hand at bookselling. The carpenter's shop closed at one on Saturdays. At two, I was at a jumble sale of mittens tuppence, held in the school in Camberwell in aid of two local hospitals, taking with me an old sack. I had as my entire capital in the world 11 shillings and eightpence. I spent eight shillings on books at tuppence and threepence each. I've got 28 books in reasonable condition for my eight shillings. The best one, as far as I could see, was on how to tie knots. In any case, it tied me in a knot to the book trade. I struggled home with the 28, 
which weighed a great deal, and I spent all evening and all next day Sunday polishing them up. I even used boot polish to make them look bright, and washed the grubby covers in soap and water, and I had a very happy time. I ought to have been at work on Monday morning at eight, but I said I was ill, and I really was ill. But by eleven I felt better, and I put my best stock of fifteen or sixteen books, kept the rest to read for myself before selling, into a sack and rode up to Charing Cross Road. I was very lucky to pick up a generous buyer, and displayed my wares out on a sack. I asked if he needed any. He picked out six, but refused to make me an offer for them. But I hadn't the slightest idea what to ask, and after telling him I wouldn't refuse his best offer, he reluctantly offered ten shillings which I accepted. I packed the rest back into my sack and the bookman gave me an extra sixpence unasked and said that was to encourage me to bring him more books and for saying sir to him. It took me nearly four hours to sell the other books and I was able to get 14 shillings for them. I took in all 24 shillings and sixpence. I spent sixpence on food and fourpence on fares and I still had some books in stock. I could see that with luck I could make a living and be free and feel free and not have to eat sawdust 12 hours a day for 21 shillings. I'd taken more than that in one day. Next day I returned to the carpenter's shop in Camberwell Green and gave in my notice to leave on the following Saturday and gave us the reason that I intended to better myself. Well now a year's gone by. Have I bettered myself? Not perhaps in money, as I'm now able to give my mother a regular weekly wage, but with all the ups and downs, I'm making headway, and I reckon I will stay a bookseller all my life. At 16, I'm young in an old man's trade, but there are lots of good men in this trade, and I feel proud to be a bookseller. They teaches us to be peaceful, kind, good and generous, and of course, absolutely honest when we're kids. But God, when you grows up, you sees it's a hard world, and then what still keep kind, gentle, peaceful and absolutely honest all seem to get nowhere fast. Them who are smart boys always get the best suits. And here's me with one suit and that's none too tidy. Does honesty really pay? Do I have to say, that's a lousy book, it's dull, uninteresting and although I ask you two bob for it, ninepence would be much fairer price. Well that's honesty. But that way I'd starve and being hungry ain't nice. It's a sticky month. My round grows bigger and bigger to sell and to buy. Today I walked to Tooting, which is all of about five miles from Woolworth, and I bought 12 books en route for six shillings, four by H.G. Wells, two by Arthur Morrison and one by W.S.M. The others were all on boxing in wrappers, and I don't think they're too risky, although Wells is at times a sticky one to sell. I like his Mr. Polly. The Morm is Orientations, 1899, his third book. It's battered and fallen to pieces, but will do as a binder after I've read it. I noticed its green cloth is a sober shade. They didn't have very gay cloths for books in the 1890s, and I thought it was the gay 90s. The gayest colour is the yellow book. I'd like to possess a set of them. I read one volume last year. It had clever Max Beerbohm in it. He must be a proper gay old sport, if one could really get to know him. This month... It was my good luck to meet W.W. Jacobs, who writes really funny books and no sex neither. He told me that the first thing he wrote was for an amateur magazine and that he owed his start in life to Jerome K. Jerome, without whose help he, W.W.J., would have had to work for his living. But he said it with a merry twinkle in his eye. He said Jerome had faith in his writings and they appeared in The Idler and Today. 
later to be published in a book called Many Cargoes. Will somebody have faith in me? 1925. Had a fine today. Bought The Hero by Somerset Maugham. Red Cloth, Crown Octavo, First Edition. It's a nice, clean copy. Honestly worth a fiver. This my first bit of luck since G. Moore's little book of pagan poems. And I wasn't looking for a find, well no sensible bloke does. My father won 12 quid on the horses last week. Today he's broke again. All we got out of the 12 quid was some oranges. Betting is the curse of the working classes. I've just purchased a book by G.K. Chesterton called What I Saw in America. It was published at 12 and 6 months. I gave two bob for it and it's practically brand new. Maybe the author will buy it from me and for four and sixpence, and I'll get a profit and his autograph to stick inside the next GKC I get. GKC saw a great deal. It now only remains for an American to write what I saw in GK Chesterton, and that would also be a great deal, and honours will be then even. I call GKC a reporter deluxe. He don't miss much. For two bob, I visited the USA, and that's the cheapest way to travel. Mr D told me that his wife is so mean that if he gave her a crutch she'd go and break her bloody leg. Poor Mr D, he's most unhappy. He's such a nice, kind man. What a bitch that woman is. I don't think he gets enough to eat and I know he gives her three quarters of his wages. What a break for Freddy. Two years ago, I'd have asked her myself to marry me. Shows you just can't tell by looks. I was told yesterday to go to the public library and look up book auction records and keep notes of rare books, dates and values. But I don't suppose I shall have a really rare book come my way. If I sell 50% of my stock, I'll be okay. But I'm filling my room with books on religion that don't seem to be needed. Why don't religions sell? Do people know all about God? Well, I'm now going to wish myself luck in this year of grace, 1925. After two years as a seller of books to booksellers, People like me are called book runners, but I don't run. My bag's too heavy. I think as how I should put me on a bonfire because I feel proper poorly. Dr Brown says I've been overdoing it and I should take things more calmly. He says I'm an highly strung individual. I do not care to be called an individual. It's so blooming chilly. I have to rest up a week and mustn't go out book hunting. He says that my life is on wires and I pull taut like. I lift two heavy loads. I tell him books weigh heavy and he says, well, why lift heavy loads? One book at £10 or 10 for a pound. Well, he's got something in there. But where am I going to get a book for £10? I can sell 200 novels at a bob in the trade and I've no millionaire clients to pay a tenner. Oh, well, it's no use worrying. It'll all come out in the wash. But I'm feeling done up. After two years as a book runner, I now have money in the post office and 425 novels in stock, plus 300 mags, 156 comics, four odd volumes of The Strand, volume number one of Wide World magazine, and also The Freelancer and some camera mags. My only good book is an handsome first edition of She by Haggard, autographed by him, and I'm pricing it at £1.6 shillings, because it's a beauty. I hope also to sell my book on the Indian Eclipse, 1878, for seven and sixpence. It's on approval. I hate books sent on approval. Clients so often get a free read 
find a tiny blemish and return my book is so unfair and so unsatisfactory. I've thought over the business of keeping a pet and I think I'll bring goldfish. After all, they will come in handy if my mother runs out of sardines. Second thoughts. Perhaps rabbits will be better. Then, when I get a girl, I can skin the rabbits and have her make up a nice mink coat out of them. That was part one of Fred Basin's Diaries, brought to you by The Book Collector. It was read by Clive Farragher and sponsored by Adrian Harrington Rare Books of Tunbridge Wells. If you enjoyed it, why not consider subscribing to The Book Collector, a quarterly journal in print and online for all those who take pleasure from books. Thebookcollector.co.uk has all the details. <laughs>